welcome to episode 9 of Comic Obscura. I'm your host, Tony, and this is Wildcats. Uh, this is number 2 for Image Comics. Uh, first published in 1992 and created by Jim Lee. Uh, the initial run ran for 50 issues and featured the work of Travis Cherest, Chris Claremont, James Robinson, and even Alan Moore. Um, this one... Uh, I I didn't mention this last episode, but Gen Thirteen there was a I want to say a animated movie. I can't remember. I think well when I saw it, it was like cut into three parts. I think um, I think it was like a a pilot movie, and it was supposed to be for a possible TV series. Um, you can probably find it on the internet. Otherwise, I it technically doesn't exist. And I may be wrong, but I think that uh, the voice actor for Tommy Pickles from Rugrats, if anyone remembers that cartoon from Nickelodeon, uh, did the voice for one of the characters. I think it was Roxy, which was really weird for me at the time. It was like, oh man, Tommy Pickles is doing the voice for... I mean, I know the voice actor is is a is a lady, but... Uh, that's yeah, I mean you, you hear that voice coming from uh, a cartoon baby for so long and then suddenly it's coming out of uh, you know it's coming from one of the Gen 13 characters which ugh, that was weird uh, but back to Wildcats uh, Wildcats uh, was actually popular enough to get a toy line from Playmate Toys which also did the the toys for uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and it got a Saturday morning cartoon in 94 on CBS. Uh, so the initial premise, because I think after the first 20 issues, um, there was a lot of there's a lot of hands on this one. So different writers came in and kind of tweaked the 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 stories and or the the history of some of the characters and the backgrounds and stuff like that. Um, so I'm pro I'm just gonna stick to the initial run. So the initial premise was uh, came from Jim Lee himself and writer Brandon Choi C H O I, uh, and it centered around. An ancient ongoing war between two alien races, the the Cherubim and the Daemonites. I know these these are most of the comics that um well the last one, Gen 13, and this one and the next one are nineties comics, so it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna sound that way with some of the names and the concepts, but um so the the Cherubim are nearly immortal human-like race with special powers and they moved to earth to start breeding with humans i guess to kind of uh increase their numbers or and i guess because humans are compatible with them so it's like okay we can increase our numbers and make uh human cherubin hybrids and they'll have powers too more most likely and then we can we'll have more people to fight the Daemonites, and the Daemonites are a reptilian race with special powers also, 
and they have powers like body possession and mind control. So, uglier version of the Skrulls? But then again, they got their chins look like balls, but... <laughs> uh, but, um, hey man, you, it's <laughs> like what you like. Um, so, the series kicks off with uh, the point of view character for the reader is Voodoo, who joins the Wildcats team to stop uh, Hellspont, a Daemonite warlord who is taking control of Vice President Dan Quayle. Hey, I I told you it was going to be, an, it's a 90s comic. It's like, man, does that make me feel old? It's like, Dan Quayle. Like, I can't believe I even remember that name. Like, just so long ago. Um, so, the characters, and for the characters, I'm just going to stick to the main team. Because uh, in the initial run, there was this team. And then um, over the course of the, the comic series, they some team members left. New ones came in, but I'm just going to stick with the original team. So uh start with Spartan, a cyborg who could download his mind into a new body whenever his whenever he dies. Well, you know, air quotes, dies. He was based on a Cherubim series of cyborgs. His history changed as different writers took the reins. But one thing that was consistent was he developed feelings for voodoo. And his powers are to talk to computers, which I think is called technolepathy or something like that. But basically, he can interface with computers or like talk to them and make them work and do stuff. Yeah, whatever you want to call that. He can fly. Uh, he has super everything. Super strength, senses, speed, stamina, blah, blah, blah. Invisibility and energy blast, which lasers. He shoots lasers. There's no, like, they they sometimes try to give it a name. Like, oh, he shoots heat fusion energy is laser beams. He shoots laser beams. We're just going to call it laser beams. So next is Zealot aka Lady Xana. Uh, she's half Cherubim and half Coda. And a Coda is basically an Amazon. They're, I mean, it's an alien race, but they're all female and they're Amazons. They're, they're warrior, female, alien race. They look human. She's thousands of years old, even though she looks like she's like early 20s. Uh, been with humans and various other alien races so very open-minded apparently uh she has she used to be a magistrate for her people which means she wrote the rule book for their culture like their their warrior rules and codes of ethics and blah 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 but oddly enough she actually broke those rules and then had to go on the run and she's been hunted by her own people she ended up on earth and uh, I think she's been there for like hundreds of years or so and eventually ended up with the Wildcats. Uh, next is Voodoo, who I mentioned earlier was the point of view character for like the, the first issue or so. Real name Priscilla Kitan? Kitan? K-I-T-A-E-N? Kitan? I don't know. She's a human cherubin half-breed, but she has Daemonite ancestry, which... Uh, was explained as somewhere along the line in her family tree, Daemonite possessed someone and got into, you know, I don't know, hooked up with her grandfather or grandmother or great, you know, somewhere in there got mixed in. 
Uh, but it was through uh, a possession. So that's how she got some Damonite genes in there. Uh, she seems... Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, she has telepathic powers. Uh, she has an ex- she started out as an exotic dancer before joining the team, and I guess she was being hunted by Damonites, and then the Wildcats showed up, saved her, and she eventually joined the team. She was attracted. She was also attracted to Spartan, but uh, eventually she lost interest in being a superhero, and left the team to study actual voodoo, which is weird i mean i I don't i feel like they did that just to like tie in her name (laughs) like they called her voodoo but her powers were just like psychic powers which i think still worked i mean it's fine if you see her costume it's like okay the name voodoo looks kind of appropriate i mean she doesn't look like she's a shaman priestess or something like that but just like the color scheme and I guess like the kind of wild look of her hair, it's like, okay, I could kind of see that. And sometimes with superhero names, they're not always like right on the nose, but I think that was okay. But I guess they're just like, nah, she's called voodoo. She needs to have some kind of voodoo related thing going on. So I guess that's why they did that. And so after running off to learn voodoo, she came back and got in a relationship with another teammate named Maul. And speaking of whom, next up is Maul, a.k.a. Jeremy Stone. Well, Dr. Jeremy Stone. Uh, this guy was a human titanthrope hybrid. Yeah, so there's a lot of hybrids going on. I mean, almost everybody on this team is half human, half something else, or half two alien things. Which isn't a complaint, necessarily. It's just, it seems really weird. I mean, I guess that, that was kind of the point. They're like, hey, we regular humans, I guess, don't have powers. So they're either half human and something else, so they have a power. Or they're just, like, all alien. So we gotta get some, we gotta get people with actual abilities on this team. So in that regard, it makes sense. Because I'm assuming that in this universe, just, you know, regular humans can't cut it. Um, but Dr. Stone was a no- is a Nobel Prize winning scientist, and he can increase his size and his strength, but the bigger and stronger he gets, uh, the, the more he loses his mental faculties. So he's kind of like, he's kind of like a mix of Ant-Man and the Hulk. But then he has like these horns that grow out of his back for some reason that don't seem to tactically be in a position to really aid him in any way. I don't know. That that's a weird design, but uh he prefers science to being to superheroics and uh he found out that he can increase his mental prowess by reducing his mass, but it's it's incredibly detrimental to his health. So like he if he gets he can get smaller, not necessarily like shrink small, but like his body mass shrinks. And he gets smarter, but then it's, you know, his, with that, like, even if the real person, like, if you lose too much weight, you'll, (laughs) you could kill yourself. So it's kind of like that. Yeah, this guy kind of does feel like, (laughs) I mean, because Ant-Man was like that, where uh, he he preferred helping humanity as a scientist uh, more than being a superhero. And, and this is, this is a comic book version. I know the movie was the Ant-Man and the Wasp, you know, MCU version and is a little bit different, but in the comics, Hank Pym 
preferred being a scientist than being a superhero and Janet Van Dyne the wasp uh kind of kept coaxing him into using you know his pin particles to be a superhero because she loved it she wanted to be a superhero he kind of didn't and then he also feels like the Hulk in that you know he's a scientist who bulks up into a big green monster which you know same thing with Gen 13's like a lot of images a lot of comics from Image really do uh let's say borrow <laughs> some ideas from uh marvel and sometimes dc uh next up is grifter aka cole cash former government agent and the first and only man trained by the coda uh very devoted to his teammate zealot whom i assume trained him or maybe he trained with other ones but because she's a coda he's kind of attached to her uh despite and and he's devoted to her despite being uh the loner of the team so i guess he's the wolverine i guess uh no claws but he has a healing factor which really seems to be like why that's become kind of like a default power now where like it used the the default power in superhero comics used to be super strength that used to be just like kind of you you almost kind of assume everybody has that or, you know, they're stronger than just, like, your average person. But now it's, like, uh, healing. having a healing factor seems to be a default power. It's, like, super strength, speed, endurance, healing factor, or quick recovery power, like, whatever you want to call it. I don't know. That used, it. <laughs> I guess it used to be special, but now they're just like, yeah, everybody has it. That way we don't have to worry about our characters dying. We'll just say that they have a healing factor and a lot of times they don't have it at first or they find they don't know they have it and then they get severely injured and it's like oh turns out i have a healing factor convenient but i guess yeah you know comics it's i feel it feels weird to say something like that and be someone who enjoys comics but it's like look just because i like it doesn't mean i can't point out some of the obvious ridiculousness so Aside from a healing factor, he also found, and this is something he found, he finds out later. Because at the start, he was just a guy, he was just like a good fighter, he used guns. But later, he finds out that he has slight telekinesis, longevity, which I guess implies that he just, he ages slower for some reason. I'm sure one of the other writers threw that in later for whatever reason. But uh, I'm just going to move on. So the next couple of guys are on the team, but don't really... There's not a lot to them, I guess. Like, maybe they eventually got killed off or something. So we got Warblade, a.k.a. Reno Bryce, a human-shaper hybrid, uh, which is... I guess a shaper is kind of like... uh, Oh, uh, think think either like the symbiote from spider-man like carnage the way he or even venom too the way they can kind of like uh shape shift their body parts or like deathlock which i think the because i know he shows up in agents of shield and he's basically just a cyborg but i think in the comic version he can the cybernetic parts of his body he can morph into different weapons i think or i might be thinking of a different guy i can't remember but yeah basically that so or uh uh the t-1000 from terminator except his entire i don't think his entire body is like a liquid metal but basically kind of like that so 
so next is Void, aka Adriana Teresh Tereshkova. Wow, that's a that's a mouthful. Uh, she can see the future and teleport. Although I think she's more powerful than that, because apparently Void is an entity, like some kind of space being, kind of like think think Phoenix, the Phoenix Force from X Men, basically. And Adriana is the host. So whatever Void is, it's had other, you know, it's possessed other bodies before. And at some point, Adriana dies and Void has to take a new host. And she merges with Spartan for a little while before, uh, I think she melts with some other girl. I didn't get the name. Uh, next up is Lord Emp, a.k.a. Jacob Marlowe. A rich guy who runs the Halo Corporation and a former Cherubin warlord. Uh, he forgot his past and how to use his powers. And he was on the streets when Void finds him. And I guess she uses her see the future powers <laughs> to, uh, I don't know, help him win the stock market or something. Somehow she gets him rich so he can start his corporation and fund the Wildcats. So that's that's the team in a nutshell and the the basic story Whew, boy there was like volumes upon volumes actually i think there's like five or six or something like that not bad i feel like this one i don't know this one just didn't seem like if you see some of the designs they're they're pretty neat designs like they're pretty interesting good color choices a lot of red in some of them but i don't know something about what like i remember the cartoon on TV, I remember the comic and the cartoon, but like even then, something about them just didn't really interest me. Like I just, I never really was into. Them. I was more interested in, like I read, a, like a few books of Gen Thirteen, but I never like bought something. Like I would go to the store and be like, oh, Gen Thirteen, kind of flip through it a little bit. But that was more interesting, I guess, because I don't know. I guess they, I guess because Gen Thirteen kind of reminded me of X-Men and Wildcats felt like it was trying to be Avengers but not a very not a very good version of the Avengers you know like whereas Gen 13 felt like a like a like a, a basically like Gen Generation X for uh Marvel cuz eventually you know cuz you had the X-Men and then you know other spin-off X-Men books and eventually they did uh Generation X which I guess is what Gen 13 kind of reminded me of and I don't know I guess their premise was easier to take in I don't know something about Wildcats just uh, just seemed not necessarily not lame I guess but just I don't know I just wasn't into it then and like looking back looking at it again now I'm kind of like eh, yeah still not still not that interested so let's let's jump into the Buddha reboot section there's not there there's not a ton of stuff here that really kind of caught my eye that really like got me going like oh man I, that's an interesting thing or that's a weird thing I mean other than some of the weird names for the aliens but um you know there's Look at Star Wars. There's tons of weird names for aliens. But yeah, nothing really struck me about Wildcats. Uh, which, oh, by the way, the the name Wildcats. Well, the, the part, the cat part in the name is an acronym for, uh, what is it? Covert Action, Tac, Covert Action Tactics Squad? 
covert action team. I don't. I don't. I should. I should have had that written down, but I just don't care. So anyway, uh, boot reboot section. So okay, I'm gonna go ahead because I'm. I'm gonna. I do have a a kind of a, a a premise laid out, you know. But I'm just gonna go off, you know, like right off the bat and just say, don't reboot this. I mean, and you can. If the, you know, my opinion doesn't necessarily dictate anything. Like I'm sitting in a closet talking to myself about comics, so like who who cares what I have to say about anything? But <laughs> I just don't really feel like this one has a lot going for it. From what I read and from what I remember, and then some of the pages I uh, looked up and kind of glanced through. I don't know. A lot of these characters just seem flat. Like they feel like, uh, they all feel like cliches, just like action movie cliches of some kind, but in a superhero universe. And I don't know, they just seem kind of flat, like just a lesser version of the Avengers. And I feel kind of bad saying that. Cause I know, with Image, you know, a lot of those guys were burnt by Marvel and DC, especially Marvel. So I, I get what they were going for, but it's just like, man, they, I think they kind of played it too close to what <laughs> Marvel was already doing and kind of doing better. Like I get, I kind of, I do understand how this comic and Gen 13 and a lot of their other uh, original stuff when they first started got really popular because it seemed like you know, that they were like the rebellious new uh, publisher doing like more extreme version. Well, what was considered extreme in the 90s uh, versions of uh, comics that already existed. But I just don't think their a lot of their early stuff had a lot of staying power. Like they like with Marvel, it's like, yeah, they have ups and downs, but like a lot of their characters still exist today and they're still selling books because, well, they have staying power. There's more to them than just, you know, gimmicks and cliches. I mean, you know, it's comics, so it's a lot of gimmicks and cliches, but they've managed to kind of uh, keep them relevant. Whereas an image, it's weird because I thought image would have had kind of a better shot at it, at it um, considering that their universe, like their comic universe, was made up like there's like they had vice president they had dan quayle in one in uh <laughs> in their universe but for the most part it was a it was a made-up version of earth which gave them a lot more creative uh leeway but i guess maybe that was a i don't i don't think it was a problem but it seems like they themselves kind of ran out of juice for like what to do with that universe whereas in marvel uh well then again dc's universe is technically made up it's it's kind of based off of our world but like there's so many made-up cities in there it's just like <laughs> there's no way they could all fit on the map with the real cities that they're based on because like uh gotham is kind of based off of chicago but in a world where there is a chicago so there's a chicago in the dc universe there's chicago and there's Gotham City, and there's New York, and there's Metropolis. Well, I don't know if Metropolis is based off of New York, but, you know, like, all the made-up cities exist with real cities. So it's just like, man, the U.S. has got to be crowded because a lot of these cities are huge. But 
I don't, I, I really don't know what the issue was that kind of, you know, that led uh, to Wildcats and Gen 13 and, and some of their other stuff just kind of petering out. And I hate saying, I hate saying that is a product of their time, which I mean, they were, but a lot of comics were a product of their time, but managed to like evolve and keep going. I just don't, I, I honestly can't really pinpoint why these didn't. I mean, I guess I kind of said it with the characters, but that's just my personal opinion as far as like them being kind of bland. That being said, if there was a reboot or some kind of relaunch or, you know, someone wanted to bring it back, I think you could do, there's there's one of two things. I would not bring this back as a comic because I just, I mean, you could, I mean, you could, you could bring back whatever form you want, but I think... If you brought it back as a comic, it wouldn't be the same thing. Because if you tried to relaunch it with the same kind of premise and just like, I don't know, gave it a new coat of paint, I think you would eventually run into the same issue and eventually it would peter out again. Like, I just, I don't know, something about that ongoing war between these two aliens that ended up on Earth feels unsustainable. And you could bring that arc to an end and then start a new one, but... And, like, the only thing you could really do to fix that is to kind of play it the way Marvel did with their Secret Invasion thing. Like, set it up to where there's some definite way to expose all the the mind-controlling and shape-shifting aliens and defeat them and, get, and chase them off the planet, or at least most of them, so where it's not such an infestation. But then you'd be just... Again, you'd just be ripping off Marvel, so why, why do that? Ugh, I don't know. Uh, I think the bet like my my reasoning is that doing either a movie or a cartoon would be best i think a cartoon could work but just as like a a short series like maybe a season or two or as a movie do like uh mm, guess you could stretch it as a trilogy that's that's like the basic that's my cutoff as a trilogy before you switch it to something else but or uh either a cartoon series one or two seasons uh, a series of cartoon movies or live action movies uh i think either of those would work and i think for the movies the way to play it is just i guess just embrace the avengers thing and kind of play it like avengers gone wild uh like an ensemble series of mo- like ensemble cast series of movies and Instead of doing that kind of uh, slow buildup like Marvel did with uh, the the Hulk and then Iron Man and then, you know, kind of building the universe before you get to the big Avengers team-up movie, just jump right into the team-up movie because that's, that's what this is anyway. And I think you just embrace the kind of make-it-up-as-we-go thing where it's like you, you jump in, and you play it like Men in Black, where in, in Men in Black 1, the Men in Black have been around for a long time. Like, they've already existed, but we learn about them through Will Smith's character. So I think for a Wildcats movie, you do you play it the same way, and you do it like they did in the comics, where it's like you, you have the Wildcats have already been around, the aliens have already been on Earth. We learn about this, and we're introduced to the wildcats and and these aliens through voodoo like introduce her she's a stripper down on her luck suddenly these aliens want to get her she doesn't know why the wildcats show up and save her they explain to her why because she's like part alien she has powers and they explain to her what's been going on and you know what's been going on over thousands of years 
and then boom you jump in and there's there's aliens everywhere they're reptilian but they're disguised as people there's these other aliens that look like human it's hard to tell them apart you just go nuts and then it's like um you find out about this secret war that's been going on and and you go from there and i think each movie is like i guess uh the the third movie you fight the you fight hellspot the the main bad guy and then the movie one and two you fight like his lieutenants or his generals or whatever and i think it should be like it, this has got to be a popcorn movie like just a a good a big budget for cgi and and action scenes and just explosions everywhere maybe get michael bay on this one <laughs> like this movie should be uh stupid it should be hilarious it should be like just kind of like jaw dropping with like the 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 action scenes and i think that's the most you're going to get out of it like i think you you let it come in strong everyone's like whoa that was fun everybody's talking about it, enjoying it and you get through your third movie and that's it i i don't think this is one of those things you can milk for like the next decade or two like it's just i don't think it, there's enough in it to really uh drag it out um now you can always get somebody to come in and kind of reinvent the wheel with this thing but i'm not I'm not all that certain that anyone would want to bother. I mean, I'm sure there's a hardcore Wildcats fan out there somewhere who's got, like, a script he wrote back in, like, 10th grade or whatever um, who'd be willing to do it. So if you can find that guy, uh, sure, give it to him. But otherwise, I feel like this is just kind of a, you know, a, a one-shot and you're done. Well, not one-shot because I'm talking about a trilogy, but, you know, like, just that's it. Just one solid trilogy maybe just maybe just one movie um either just one movie or like just a solid trilogy and you're done just move on that's it uh you're i i just don't think you're gonna get a <clears throat> a kind of uh, a continuous franchise out of this one because uh even in the last episode when i was talking about gen 13 i mentioned introducing these guys but even in that it wouldn't be ongoing like you would have to drop them and then introduce someone else like uh young bloods i guess which please don't do that uh actually i think they were gonna do that yeah at some point like i heard rob liefeld who created young bloods i believe was talking with netflix about doing like a a universe on their streaming service for his characters so like a young blood tv show and whatever else he created <laughs> or am i thinking of uh uh, I think I'm thinking of the guy who did uh, Kick-Ass, Mark Miller. Yeah, I think, uh, is it him? I don't know. I heard I heard Liefeld was trying to get one of his other comics or whatever his newer stuff is. He was trying to get something turned into like a TV show or a movie. Haven't heard anything else about that since whenever it was I first heard about it. So I'm assuming that's not on the table anymore because no one cared. But, <laughs> you know... Yeah, I guess he's out there trying. So yeah, I would, I would. That that's the way I would go for it. Um, try to avoid any kind of beams in the sky. I think that's done, and it's just that so it movies. So many movies have done that already. You don't want to throw that in there because I feel like there's already enough going against this movie to you know from the get go. Don't throw in stuff like that. Or if you do. You have to make fun of it or, you know, 
make some kind of commentary on it cuz otherwise it's just going to it's going to turn people off uh through word of mouth and be like oh boy it's another blue beam in the sky thing again like you can skip it it's like someone turns on the thing there's a blue beam in the sky they have to turn it off blah blah, blah. like you don't want to generate that kind of buzz i mean if you want this thing to be even remotely successful and i think you can kind of take some of the characters and play with some of the obvious parallels they have to marvel characters like uh how i said earlier that maul is kind of like the hulk and ant-man uh well voodoo is kind of like scarlet witch and then spartan is kind of their vision and then grifter is basically like cap but like the the renegade version where he's like he doesn't use a shield because he has a healing factor and he uses guns so you know ex-government agent blah, blah blah so you could kind of play that up a little bit uh that's all i got for the live action thing uh the cartoon i guess would kind of work again but we don't have saturday mornings anymore i mean <laughs> i mean we have saturday mornings but we don't have like saturday morning cartoon lineups anymore which is where i would have put this but i guess i guess you could throw it on a streaming service like i guess netflix would pick it up but with the cartoon, I think what you would probably want to do is kind of like the the the, mo the live action movie, but you kind of play up the <laughs> you kind of play up the extremeness of it, I guess. Like, um, I guess the general summarization of what I mean by that is, uh, think of the cartoons from M the MTV cartoons from like uh, the nineties, like. Um, the 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 spawn cartoon well i think that's for hbo but think about that and uh mtv's the max uh aeon flux that kind of adult cartoon but like really put not just like swearing but like that it almost feels like a a live action drama but animated kind of feel that the the old mtv cartoons had well some of them had it's really hard to explain unless you actually existed during that time period and saw some of those cartoons. There's kind of really nothing like it, right? Like that kind of stuff anymore. Uh, possibly for good reason, <laughs> but um, I think that would work for it. But I don't know who you would get to to get that off the ground though, because I'm not sure there's a lot of creators with that kind of mindset anymore. But you'd either do that as a series like a short little mini series or just like that's that's your movie or that's your movie trilogy it's, it's animated actually i take that back you you would either do a live action movie or do uh, a short cartoon mini series because honestly i don't think i think if you released it as animated movies i don't really think too many people would go see it because i mean like who who would that be for because like it's not gonna be for kids Cause they're gonna be like, what the hell is the what the hell are the Wildcats? And I think anyone old enough to know what they are would be like, I don't want to see a cartoon version of that. Bleh. So yeah, I guess you gotta do short animated series on a streaming service or a live action movie. There's not. I mean, I'm sure there's like most things. There's tons of other ways to do this that I'm not. I probably haven't considered. But like I said, like I'm just so uninterested in these characters. I mean. I okay to a certain extent I am because obviously if I wasn't even remotely interested in them I would have done a whole episode on them but it's kind of like oh yeah the wildcats I'll look into that 
it's like, yeah, I kind of remember this, kind of remember that. But, like, as I'm actually sitting here and talking it out, it's just like, yeah, there's not a whole lot there other than, you know, they're kind of like a lame-ass version of the Avengers. And I think, and, and it's certainly not me, but I think uh, if you gave them to the right person, uh, you could do, you could pull something from this. Like, uh, I don't think the characters are totally bad. Like, I think there's some... I think there's some interesting designs. I think some of them have... You could tweak their their backstories a bit to make them more interesting and give them more personality. Uh, that's that's all I got for the Buddha Reboot section for these guys. Uh, this one felt kind of short. I really... Like, when I went into this one, I was expecting more. Especially once I remember that there was a cartoon. But don't don't go back and look at that it's uh it it doesn't really hold up well i think there's a reason that there's no uh dvd box set for that well that and whoever owns the rights probably doesn't want it out or something so with that being said let's go on to the editor section so way way back in episode two i talked about two characters madcap and bawana beast or no, I think Madcap was his own episode. Yeah, uh, no, I think they were the same episode. Uh, so anyway, uh, in a message from Kenneth uh, about episode two, uh, he says that he suggested that for the reboot of Bawana Beast, like a movie version, uh, he suggested that it could feature an older original Bawana Beast who passes a torch and his fortune to uh, a new guy who actually is from Africa, which I didn't think about. And I'm, I kind of had to slap myself for that one because it's like, well, why didn't I think of that? That kind of felt uh, like an obvious uh, premise for a, a relaunch. And it kind of reminds... And when, when I, when I uh, read Kenneth's suggestion, it, it kind of reminded me of the 2000 movie... The, the 2009 movie version of the phantom with uh billy zane which i liked uh it i think it really caught the the feel of those those older kind of uh action mystery comics from like the 40s uh but anyway so i think i think this idea would be good like if, if you try if you someone seriously tried to make uh, a bawana movie like a viable movie I think that'd be a good way to do it because um, you it one it would allow for uh, <laughs> some some like a, you know you can you kind of explain away the the weird ridiculousness of the first Bawana Beast as well you know that was back in the 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 forties or the the thirty what I don't remember when it came out uh, and I did a whole episode on this character and I don't remember but uh whenever that was you can just say hey it was a different time and so the new guy comes in it's like a helmet and a loincloth no 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 we gotta upgrade his costume so it would allow for a redes a good redesign which this character sorely needs and it would help kind of wash over the more ridiculous part of this character and kind of bring it into the now and and help it make more sense that yeah that's um that's a good suggestion i kind of wish i thought to think of that one i think that would totally work let's see what oh so uh so thanks kenneth for that suggestion if anyone else has any kind of ideas or suggestions from older episodes or this episode uh remember you can email the show at comicobscurapod at gmail.com um 
and I'll, you know, as soon as I read it, I will mention it on, you know, the next episode to come. Uh, so another weird thing that's been going on is this Gambit movie. So it's being made. It's not being made. It has a director. It doesn't have a director. Like this movie, like if you want to talk about production hell, this movie has been stuck in limbo and then like manages to crawl out only for someone at the at the the the, the opening of the pit kicks them back down and they have to keep crawling back up. So the Gambit movie is still trying to exist. Now it it's uh reportedly going to have a romantic comedy vibe. I really don't think this movie is going to happen. Like it, it feels it's so up in the air and I'm just like is anyone even still interested in this anymore I mean I know there's Gambit fans out there who would want to see a Gambit movie but it seems like with uh with with Marvel and Disney getting back the rights to X-Men and stuff it's like well they'll probably do something with that themselves so it feels weird that Channing Tatum is still trying to squeeze this last one out before that happens um and I, and I guess that's in a way it's smart because if he can get this thing made before Marvel and Dish Marvel and Disney officially have everything you know all their ducks in a row and they, you know it's X Men and and everything else is officially theirs again, then he would basically kind of cement the idea that hey, I'm Gambit now. So if you want to do if you want Gambit to exist in your MCU, you gotta use me. Because Ryan Reynolds has already done that. I mean, I don't think that was his initial uh, plan or anything, but like, much like Hugh Jackman and Robert Downey Jr., he's basically cemented himself as the character of Deadpool. So when uh, Marvel and Disney start making their Deadpool movies, obviously they're gonna use him. And I think Channing Tatum caught on to that and I think that's why he's trying to he's still trying to get this movie made so that way he can be identified as Gambit in the public eye and so they'll have to use him although I think he's overestimating how successful this movie is gonna be especially since we still don't know anything about it like I mean they've mentioned a few things over the past couple of years of what the what the intention is but like that's changed over the course of years since it was first announced so who knows? Oh, next there's the uh I saw the trailer for the Holmes and Watson movie with uh John C. Riley and Will Farrell. I wasn't that excited about this at first because I kind of felt like their their kind of comedy has kind of petered out, I guess. Um, but I saw the trailer and it did make me laugh, but it's kinda like that I, I think it made me laugh because it was a trailer. So it was short. I don't know if I'm really up for sitting through a whole movie. And the thing is, I used to really, I used to love Will Ferrell and and John C. Riley movies like uh, Talladega Nights. Well, Walk the Line was it was okay, but uh, like they they usually do well together. So I kind of want to give it a chance. And I love Sherlock Holmes, so seeing a a comedy version of that doesn't like it doesn't sound like a terrible idea. Like it it's got two comedians that I like and it's it's about a character uh that I love so it seems like everything's lined up but 
I honestly don't know. Like, I, I don't know if it's just, you know, I'm old, so my sense of humor has changed. But I think I think it's the kind of movie you see with a buddy. Like, I wouldn't go see this movie myself. I don't think I'd enjoy it the, the same way. So, yeah, I, I think it looks good for, like, a... Uh, like a, a weekend movie where it's like, hey, we're bored. Let's go see a movie. And, and you kind of want to laugh. Like you don't want something depressing or uh, some kind of Oscar bait movie. So it's like, you know, that's a good kind of uh, a palate cleanser movie, I guess. So yeah, I go see that. Oh, and then I guess uh, the only other thing is definitely going to see Enter the Spider-Verse. Probably won't see Aquaman. Uh, I feel bad because I feel like I should give it a chance, but it's just like I kind of don't care. And, and not, and it's not that it looks bad either. It's just, yeah, just not a huge Aquaman fan, so I barely cared to begin with. And now it just seems like there's just not a whole lot going on with DC's movies, so I care even less. I guess I'll see Shazam. Although it's weird that they, well, I guess they have to tone down the. Uh, the promotional stuff for Shazam since uh, Aquaman is coming up next. But it's like, I feel like you guys might as well just jump on that bandwagon and just like push Shazam and let Aquaman sink or swim, no pun intended, like, you know, however it's going to do. That's all I got for this this week's show. Um, I think next, next week's show is going to be one more Image comic. The one I was, like, I don't know. The the one I was going to do turned out, like, uh, it's it's still ongoing, surprisingly. So I couldn't really do that one. And so I, as of right now, I don't have a third image one ready. So it's either going to be, if, if I can find one worth talking about, I'll do another image comic. Otherwise, I'll, I'll probably switch to uh, a, another publisher. It won't be, it won't be Marvel or DC. That, that much I know, but I just don't know if it's going to be another image uh, comic next week. So we'll find out then. Like I said before, you can email the show at comicobscurapod at gmail.com. Uh, you can find the show on Facebook. Um, I'd like to thank John Bartman for the show's uh, kick-ass theme. And that's it. I'm done. Next week. See ya.